friends, my name is Jonathan Reeder and I am the community life pastor here at Friends Church in Orange. And we are so glad that you are checking out this message today. We hope that you find inspiration for your spiritual journey wherever you're at on that journey. We're just glad that you're here today. If you wanna find out ways to get connected here at Friends and be a part of our community, you can just check all that out on the website that you're on right now. Find out how you can be a part of what is happening here at Friends. We hope you enjoy this message and we hope that God blesses you through what you hear. Good to see you guys. Thrilled that you guys are here. Uh, If you're new, welcome to Friends Church Orange. We're honored that you would choose to come and join us. Uh, If you're part of our family, welcome back. And I know that you're part of our family because you sit in the same spots. So it's always good to see you guys right where you're at. Uh, Before we jump into new series, uh, I want to jump back just for one second. If you were here uh, a couple weeks ago before Mother's Day, we were focusing on who are we and the way that we live out generosity around the corner and around the world. And I love what Jonathan was saying that for us, uh, it's it's everything that we are, everything that we have, our time, our treasure, our talent. We believe in being just courageously and radically generous. And part of that was a new expression and a new way that we got to be generous with our city. And that was coming alongside the police heart team, which is the homeless liaison team for our city. They get to hold all the resources into helping our homeless neighbors. We get to provide the relationship. And so when the city comes to the church and says, will you help us? We say, That's right. We always say yes. And so I want to give you guys a little update on how that's looking. This past week, we began building the relationships in partnership with the city to our homeless friends. Uh, We started on Monday morning. You'll see uh, Holiday and I showed up. That is the heart team or some of the heart team from the city and the police department. We got to present a check because remember I said, you guys have already given. We gave them $5,000 to help resource uh, them. And so that is us delivering that money. And then we started resourcing our friends. And so Kylie, uh, lots of you guys know Kylie. Everybody say hi, Kylie. That's right. Give her a little round of applause. Kylie, uh, who has been holding our kids downstairs for a season and years before that, uh, she is now transitioning to be uh, really the hands and feet and expression of our community uh, to the city and to our homeless friends. So this past week, just give us a sense of what you saw God do. Yes. Guys, in one week, I have already seen God start to transform the city of Orange. He is taking one person's life at a time and changing it, moving them very quickly from a circumstance where there was no hope to hope that is just overflowing. Um, I saw people... Um, get opportunities from just coming to get a shower to actually getting placed into shelters. Um, We got to, through Full Circle, um, clothe people, give them dignity, give them um, just honor to be dressed well for job opportunities so they can go in feeling confident because they look well, they're dressed clean and nice. Um, We got to clothe a woman who is trying to get to see her kids again. And she had a court date and we got to get her an outfit, um, let her just feel good about herself, being able to present herself to her kids. So in just a few days, we are seeing God do crazy things through our volunteers, the people that are already serving with us, um, through our police department, and also you guys, the city we live in and the workers um, that work with the city are fantastic. I am just mind boggled at the support we get to have. So it's fun, lots of laughs, lots of joys, <laughs> lots of miracles. <laughs> and so you're, you don't want to do this by yourself, do you? 
No, I don't. So, <laughs> so here's the thing. Uh, what days, what times could we show up and participate and volunteer with you, knowing that you will lead us and guide us and equip us for everything we're going to do? But what, when do you need help? Yes. Monday through Saturday, <laughs> 9 to 3. <laughs> we break it up um, in two-hour slots. Uh, we also have people that have come just at their lunch break. We've had people just stop by, only have a few minutes. Honestly, we just want you to come down, see what God's doing, and you're never going to want to leave. But you can sign up for two-hour slots Monday through Saturday. I love that. Thank you. You're the best. Say thank you to Kylie. So here's the thing, guys. That's one week. We're one, that's one week. Like, she's got stories, and we could take all morning, and that's one week of just seeing God at work. And the greatest thing is getting a front row seat at Life Change and, like, and letting God even use you to be a part of it. So if that's you, I would encourage you, invite you to find Kylie after the service. You can stop by the next center as well. And just give them your name, email, phone number, address, whatever it is, and we'll follow up with you. Um, but if you want to see God, that is one of the most tangible ways to experience God in very real time. If you don't want to see God, don't talk to Kylie. Just don't do it. Just keep doing what you're doing. Okay. As we continue today, there is a, uh, there's a bookstore in, uh, in England called Barter Books. And in 1991, there were new owners that took over this bookstore. And so new owners were doing what new owners do to things. They got to go through everything and figure out what they have and what they don't have and what that looks like. And so they're digging through the basement and they open an old box and out they pull a poster that looks like this. Keep calm and carry on. How many of you have seen one of these things, right? You might own one of these things. You maybe have sent a card or a t-shirt, whatever it looks like. Keep calm and carry on. And here's the thing, this is 91. Nobody had seen this, right, for about 50 years. These were printed 50 years prior when Great Britain was on the brink of war. They printed two and a half million of these that were to be distributed and put up all around the country to provide a sense of calm and reassurance. It's got the crown, right, of King George VI to represent the power that we live under, that we're a strong, proud nation, we're gonna be okay. It's got this calming, simplistic font that's just to let people take a deep breath and keep moving, even in the midst of pain. And so, like I said, they were gonna be distributed through the war. The other thing that happened about that same time is Winston Churchill started a series of radio addresses and speeches all around the country. And people would say that just hearing his voice as the country was living in this place of total turmoil and fear would provide a sense of calm. They would feel a sense of reassurance in the midst of that everything was going to be okay. And as I was reflecting and I remembered this story this past week, I was thinking, don't you think it'd be good to have that poster and that voice today in the world? Don't you think we need two and a half million of something that we can just put up everywhere to give people a sense of, hey, take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. Calm down. Don't you wish that there was a voice, a voice of calm, a voice of peace, a voice of unity, a voice that would bring encouragement and hope, a voice that would remind you of strength and power and history and everything. Don't you wish there was that voice? And what? So what if there is? What if that's why you're here today? What if you're here for whatever you feel like is unbolting in your life? You feel like maybe you're on the brink of something, maybe anxiety or fear or worry, relational or 
maybe physical pain or whatever's existing in your world. Maybe just the, the overwhelming nature of the world feels overwhelming to you, right? Just the anger and the hatred, the disunity. You know, what if today we get to look at something that provides a, a sense of unity, something that lets you take a deep breath and feel this sense of calm. You get to hear a voice and even maybe uh, get a poster that's going to bring a sense of calm and peace that allows you to keep walking through this world. So today, I believe that's why you're here. I believe that's why God brought you here today. Like I said, whether it's your first time or this is where you show up every week, we're going to look at this not just today, but over these next few weeks, we're going to look at a passage of scripture that literally has been read to billions of people over thousands of years in some of the most severe moments of life. So when they needed comfort, when they needed strength, when they needed hope, when they needed encouragement, this uniquely is a passage of scripture that the entire world has turned to for thousands of years. And so that's why I'm glad you're here as we get to step into this together. And so I'm going to invite you to just go on a journey through Psalm 23 with us. Today we're going to look at the first three verses. Next week we'll look at a couple and then we'll close it in a couple weeks on the last one. But today, just the first three verses, let's just read this out loud together so we can just hear one another remind us of what God's saying here. Psalm 23 says, let's read it out loud. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Now David, lots of you guys know, David is the one who wrote this psalm. And what's interesting is David is a shepherd. He was a former shepherd. When he's writing this psalm, it's actually later in his life when he's actually king. But David understood being a shepherd, and therefore he understood sheep very well and the relationship that exists between them. And so he's making some reflections and observations on life with God as a shepherd. And there are three things specifically that I want to make sure we focus on and don't miss in this, this first three verses. And it says this, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Everybody read that with me. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. The first thing he wants us not to miss is that God provides. God provides. How do we know this? He says, I lack nothing. Some of your translations will say, I have all that I need. There's nothing that I want. That's what he's saying. Everything that I need, God's provided. And here's the thing that David understood as a shepherd is that sheep depend on shepherds for everything, right? Some of you know, many of you don't. Sheep are inherently dumb. They're the dumbest animals on the planet. You read about it. They literally, there's n almost nothing they can do for themselves, right? They're good for wool. They make us some amazing clothes. And outside of that, they're just dumb, They'll run into things, they'll just, they'll fall off of cliffs, they fall over, they can't turn them, they can't even stand up on their own. They're like turtles, it's crazy. Sheep are dumb. And so he's saying, look, the Lord's my shepherd, I don't lack anything, and he knows that there's this total dependence that sheep have on their shepherd. 
And one of the things you think, I don't know, when you start thinking sheep and shepherds in our context, I tend to think of these really beautiful, idyllic pictures where like there's green, really tall grass, you know, that's almost covering the sheep and these big canopy trees where they're just resting in the shade, you know, and there's just giant pools of water and little streams. It's beautiful. Here's the thing. For the Middle Eastern first century shepherds, that is nothing close to what sheep and shepherds lived like. This is a Middle Eastern sheep herd. That's the terrain. It looks terrible, doesn't it? I mean, that's like, oh, that looks awful. And it's not just a grainy picture. I mean, it just, it looks awful in the sense of what it is. It's dry, it's desolate, there's no trees, there's no shade. And you can see, it's not like the grass is super tall and it goes on for days and days and days. It's like, if you don't know where to find those little blades of grass, you will starve to death really quickly. And so David, when he's writing this, this is what he's thinking of. And even to the audience that would have first heard this passage, they understood that context because this is everything that they would see. And they would understand the dependence of sheep and what they have for all of their food, for all of their water. Where would you find water? How would you even know? For the guidance that they would need, if you go over a hill, sheep would get lost. They could never find their way back. What does that look like? The protection. And so he's saying, God provides. And he's saying, not just God provides in this sense, David, you can, I can just imagine him now reflecting and looking back on his life as kind of an older, gray-haired, seasoned dude. And he's looking at how God has provided his whole life. He remember how God provided for David physically. When he was a young boy, when he was a shepherd, and remember, he had to protect, and he's famous for, for killing, right, a lion, for anything that would attack his sheep. God provided physically. Not only that, lots of you know, we sang about it earlier. He conquered Goliath, killed a giant, saved his whole country. That's when he was a young shepherd boy. David would have said, I remember God provided for me physically, and he's met every need I've needed since. God provided for him relationally. He's probably looking back on the friendships that he enjoyed, special people in his life like Jonathan, who was one of his best friends, who encouraged him and sharpened him. Friends that stood with him even when he was running for his life and hiding in caves. The guys that stuck with him when things got really hard. He's thinking of the relationships and how God provided. He's thinking probably about the dreams and how God provided for those dreams to unfold over the course of his life. You know, when he was young is when he was anointed as king. But it took years and years and years for that story to unfold. Lots of twists and turns, painful moments, seemingly dead ends in his life. And he's probably looking back and going, wow, I can't believe how God provided, even for those dreams to become a reality in my life, the relationships and the physical provision, and mostly, probably, the spiritual provision. You see, David, in addition to being king and this amazing shepherd and conquering Goliath and everything, David is one of the most heroic failures in the Bible. He's famous for failing. And he's probably looking back at how God provided even the forgiveness and the kindness and the grace to see him through that desperate moment. You see, he's saying, God provides He's lived with nothing. He's lived with everything. And he's saying, God provides. I don't need anything. There's nothing. He's saying, I have enough. He's living in this place of total contentment. 
You see, and that's one of the things that actually steals our souls, isn't it? Because oftentimes, we don't have the word enough in our vocabulary. We live in an insatiable world. And we live as insatiable people. And we get trapped in thinking not only that we need to provide, but the world always has more. And woven through the Bible and where David begins then is this place of provision where God provides everything and I have everything that I need. He doesn't say I have everything I want, but I have everything I need. I don't lack anything. And this contentment story is woven all through God's word. We see it when Jesus, in giving one of his most famous messages, thousands of people gathered. And you can imagine he's out on a hillside and he's talking to all these people and he looks down and he sees just some of the flowers coming up out of the ground and he just starts going, look at these flowers. Aren't they incredible? Look how they just grow up in some of that kind of terrain. Isn't it staggering that they get just the right amount of sunshine, that they get just the right amount of water, that they get just the right amount of nutrients in the soil? Isn't it amazing how God provides for them? And look at the creativity expressed, not just in them, and look at the birds, probably birds flying. He's like, look at the birds of the air. Isn't it amazing? God's creativity and his care for the birds, that they have everything they need. They, they know where to make nests and they know how to protect and provide for their young and they have all the right amount of food. And isn't that amazing? Look at how amazing God is in his provision for all this. And then he just looks at the people and he says, and he loves you so much more. That was Jesus. He loves you so much more. Look at his creativity. Look at his power. Look at his workmanship. Look at his intentionality. Look at the way he provides, and oh, he loves you so much more than that. And it's not just that. We see that later on. Paul, we see when he's writing to the church in Philippians, he says this. He goes, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content. There it is. Whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And we got to remember, Paul, remember, he's writing this. Paul's the guy who was one of the most powerful, influential, wealthy people of his day. He had more degrees than anybody in this room. He could speak multiple languages. He had passports for every important country. He was powerful, and he had everything. And then he lived in a place where he had nothing. People were hunting him down to destroy him and kill him because he was trusting God with his life now to the point that he's writing this from prison. And yet he's writing, ah, oh, I know what it is to be content. I can, I've lived in contentment with everything you can imagine. Oh, and by the way, I'm content right now in prison with nothing because I've learned the secret. And you'd go, oh my gosh, well, what's the secret? If it's not circumstances, if it's not wealth, if it's not power, if it's not degrees, if it's not religion, what's the secret? And then he gives one of the most famous verses in the Bible. And he says this, I can do all of this through him who gives me strength. How many of you have ever seen that verse, heard that verse, right? You probably wrote it on like in your brain or on your test when you were trying to get an A. I can get an A because God's going to give me strength. We wrote it on our shoes. People want to win basketball games. I want to get this job. I hope that she says yes because I can do anything through God who gives me strength. And that has nothing to do with this verse. <laughs> the verse has everything to do with what? Contentment. It doesn't matter what I get on this test. 
Whether she says yes or no, whether I win this game or lose, whether I get the job or the promotion or not, whatever happens, I'm choosing contentment because I'm trusting in a God who provides everything I need. That's the verse. You see, that's the context. It's just, he's repeating Psalm 23. Paul knows what David knew. I've learned to be content because God provides. The Lord's my shepherd. God provides. Contentment comes through trusting in God as your shepherd. So the first question that David would ask you then today is, are you content? Are you living with a sense of, I have everything I need and more? Or is there some kind of insatiable desire that's taken over you? Are you living with a sense, if I just get that, if I can just have that, when I just get there, then you're not content. And you're not trusting that God provides and that he'll give you everything that you need. That's the first thing we see. God provides. Contentment. This provision then gets expressed in what? Rest. And that's what we see in these next few lines. Let's read these out loud together. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. First thing is God provides. The second thing we see is that God revives. He refreshes. He restores. He renews from the inside out. You saw the terrain, right, that they were living in, the context that they understood it. You could understand then how hard it would be to find rest in that kind of environment. I mean, I don't know about you, but like I just start thinking, where's the shade? Where's the water? Where can I just, you don't want to stop. It's like, when are we going to get to a place with air conditioning? Like, this was awful. Like, I mean, that's everything that they experienced. And so you could imagine then it would take a shepherd with good provision to lead you to a place where you could rest. And we see it expressed in a couple ways. Water and a place you'd want to lie down. And you could actually sleep. And so the shepherd, you can see there's places that look like this, but they're very few and far between, and you've got to know where they are. And so he's saying, the Lord's my shepherd. I have a God who provides, and he's going to lead me to these places. He's going to lead me to a place where all of a sudden, the most beautiful stream with wandering water is there, and I get to drink everything I need. And then he's going to lead me to a place where we can come over and look at that. All of a sudden, this beautiful place, we're like, that might be fun. I could lie down on that. There's actual grass. That looks so much better than the rocks and everything terrible around it. There's something in us that even when we say the words and see the pictures, you just, you just take a deep breath. And that's what he's saying is through God's provision, he revives us. He leads us to these places of rest and quiet and refreshment. And the other thing embedded in this passage that David, again, inherently knew and understood about sheep is not only are they incredibly dumb, but sheep also are incredibly fearful. They're some of the most fearful animals on the planet because, like I said, you can imagine, they can do almost nothing for themselves. 
They can't defend themselves. They can't provide for themselves. There's nothing that they can do. So when they're attacked, there's nothing that can happen. And the bottom line is for sheep then, they have to be free from fear in order to rest. Because they're going to be so twitchy at every sound, everything that comes their way. And so when he's saying that he he revives us, there's four things specifically they need to be free from. The first one is hunger, which we talked about. God's going to provide. He's going to provide everything you need to eat. He'll provide everything you need to drink. Your stomachs are full. Your sheep feel good. Awesome. Second thing they've got to be free from then is they've got to be free from fear of their enemies. Everything's an enemy. But specifically, you can imagine in terrain and in places like that, there's bobcats, there's coyotes, there's foxes, right? Even God, Jesus mentioned foxes. So they're out there and all it takes is one. And all of a sudden, wild dogs, they're attacking these sheep. They can't run them. There's nothing they can do. So they've got to know, am I safe? Is somebody going to take care of these enemies for me if I lay down? The third thing we see is they got to be free from, from fear of, of one another, free from tension that exists. May not surprise you, there's tension that exists in sheep herds, right? So in the midst of being incredibly dumb and fearful, they can still butt heads and get angry with one another. You see them and I'll just take, watch little videos, it's hysterical. Because brothers or sisters or moms or dads or uncles or aunts or whatever it is, they just start nipping at each other and they kind of bite each other's heels. And ah, this is my little patch of grass, you go find your own. And all of a sudden they're creating tension with one another. And you can imagine a sheep just starts to take a deep breath and find a place of rest and all of a sudden little brother comes along and just bites him on the butt or something like that. It's like, ah, oh, what are you doing? It's like, that's where they gotta be free. They gotta know that they're gonna be okay. Safe from enemies, safe from tension with one another. And then finally, the last thing is they got to be free from torment. One of the things you'll always find around sheep or any kind of livestock is flies. That's right. Good job. Somebody's Jesus? Nope, not the right time for Jesus. (laughs) Usually the right answer, not there. You guys did great. So you'll always find flies. And that's another thing, right? It's, you're not, who gets rest with one of mosquitoes buzzing around? Ooh, smallest thing on the planet, but you're not sleeping. You're going to stay up all night trying to find the mosquito, trying to find the fly. Same thing with sheep. So they've got to be free from all of these fears. And so you can imagine a shepherd then that comes along and makes sure and ensures that there's a place of rest. They have everything they need. They've eaten everything they need. They have all the water they need. Here's this great patch of grass. I'm going to stay up. I'm going to protect you. Any little sound, I'm going to quiet and comfort. I'll separate the ones that need to be separated. Hey, stop that. Get away. And then it's interesting, shepherds in that day, they would actually put ointments, just like they do today, on the sheep that would keep away the pests. Let them rest. It's the gift, and that's what he's saying. God provides but God also revives, and he provides everything you need to rest. He's the one that'll stay up and keep watch, protect you, watch over you. He can anticipate danger that you never could. He'll the one, he's the one that'll lead you towards even just working out issues with one another. I mean, how many of you sleep well when you've got an issue with a good friend or a family member or a classmate or a coach. That's all you're thinking about. God's like, I got it. I'll lead you through that. And he's the one. The torment that we experience about lies, 
fear, anxiety, failure, all those things that we stay up thinking about. He's like, what are you going to do with that? There's nothing you can do with that. Just, I'll take care of it. You see, God provides and he also revives. He leads you to these places of rest in the middle and in the midst of a really dangerous, scary world. Which is what we see at the very end. How does he make this contentment and, and this rest even possible? Let's just read this out loud together. This is our last stop for the day. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And that's the third thing we see. David's teaching us God guides. He leads us. He's our guide. He's our leader. Because here's the thing. We need to know and follow the right paths. I mean, how many of us, we're faced with literally hundreds and thousands of small decisions, but oftentimes very big decisions on a daily, if not weekly basis. What are we going to do? And lots of times there's lots of great options. Sometimes there's dangerous ones. Sometimes there's beautiful ones. But what are we going to do? What's the right way to go? All of us confront these things. And so we need to know the right path to provide that provision and rest so we don't get lost. And so you can see, this is kind of what it looks like, this sort of Middle Eastern adventure where you take, and it's like, well, what's the right path? And I know some of you are thinking what Corey was thinking this morning when I showed her the picture. She's like, well, I don't even see a path. And I said, I know. That's the point. You don't know where the path is. You don't know where you're supposed to go, but you can just imagine with me, if you would, that if you're a sheep and all of a sudden you decide, I'm going to strike out on my own, and you start hiking your way up and you end up on one of those landings and can't get down, sheep aren't goats. You're going to fall to your death. Sometimes you might end up, all of a sudden you walk yourself into a cave, you walk yourself right into a dead end and there's no way out, there's no way through, how did I get here? And then all of a sudden you're split off and you're going to die. You could end up just in the middle of this path, and all of it, I'm just going to walk right down through the middle. But the problem is, in the Middle East, oftentimes there's flash floods that come on so fast, it would sweep you away, and you would just get overwhelmed and drowned. See, there's so many dangers that oftentimes you can't even see. You don't even know. You run into boulders or obstacles and go, how do I? I can't move this. I can't go around it. I can't get through it. And God's like, I know, but I can see. And I want to lead you down the right path. And it's not just avoiding the danger. Here's the other thing that God does, which is so beautiful when he guides and leads. He also shows us the beauty. Because one of the things that would be easy to get lost in this picture is the horizon. And how amazing it is. Where you can just look out and you see the Dead Sea. And you see the mountains beyond it. And you know what rises over those mountains? The sun and God's like, let's just wait here and watch the sunrise together. Don't miss the beauty of what this is. He may stop you and go, wait, look at the little animals or creatures up there. Isn't that so cool? You see, he's going to guide you, and he's going to show you the path so you don't get stuck in a dead end. You don't get washed out in a flash flood. You don't end up falling off a cliff somewhere. He's going to show you the right path. And he's going to also give you the beauty. And so the question David would ask you is, well, who's leading you? Who's your guide? Who's helping you avoid the dangers of life? The things are going to put you in caves or overwhelm you. Who's, who's helping point out the beauty? Making sure you don't miss the beautiful things that he has for you. Because that's who God wants to be. That's what David is saying here. And here's the thing, the key to all of this, this doesn't just happen in your life. It didn't just happen in David's life. 
The key to everything, the, God, the key to God being our, our provider, the key to God reviving us, the key to God guiding us is found really in just the first few words of this passage. And it's the key to everything. And it's this, the Lord is my shepherd. Everybody say that. The Lord is my shepherd. Is that true? Is he your shepherd? Because if he is, we should be experiencing the fullness of all of this. We should be experiencing and celebrating that God's our provider, that he's the one leading. I am so content in life. We should be getting the rest that we need in every area of life. We should be listening to him for every turn and twist and every conversation and every meeting and every classroom and everything. We're like, "God, God, what are you saying? I need you to lead me. If he's your shepherd... And see, here's what's fascinating to me about this passage. David, again, he's writing this. He's writing this not when he's a shepherd. He's writing this when he's king. He has all the power. He has all the wealth. He has all the influence. He has arrived at the destination that God told him that he was going to lead him towards when he was a kid. He could take control of his own story, but he doesn't write from the position of a king. He doesn't even write from the position of a shepherd. He writes from the position of a sheep. David sees himself as a sheep. Do you? Or do you want to be king? Or do you even want to be the shepherd? Because this is an invitation to be a sheep. This is just an invitation to receive everything that God has for you and to walk in the fullness of that. This is what God's giving you today. You see, he's saying, I've given you the poster. I've given you the language. I've given you the words. And I've given you the voice to lead you and to guide you. And we see that. This this is sort of summarized by Jesus himself in the New Testament. In John 10, 27, it says this. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. You see, Jesus is saying, and he does say that I'm the good shepherd. I'm the shepherd. You're all sheep. Do you want to follow me? Knowing that I will provide everything you need. I will revive your soul when it needs to be revived. I'll give you the rest that you need. And I'll lead you. I'll guide you. I'll keep you away from the dangerous places that are going to consume your life and your soul. And I'll lead you into beauty so that you don't miss it. You see, this is the invitation of Psalm 23. And for me this week, (laughs) Psalm 23 came alive in a different way for me this week. I mean, I've read it my whole life. I mean, I started going to church when I was little and trusted God with my life when I was a little guy. But this is an unfolding journey where I've learned to listen and follow more and more over the course of my story. And all of a sudden this week, I found myself looking back just like David as an old, seasoned, gray-haired, experienced guy and saying, oh my gosh, God has provided everything I need. He's been so kind. He's made me lie down at different times in my life where I didn't even want to stop, and he stopped me. He's given me and provided the relationships to help revive my soul and my spirit. 
and he's guided and he's led. That's what I want for you. That's what David would want for you. And I know it's what God would want for you. The question is, do you want that? Because it's never too late to start. And you get to decide, do you want to be a sheep? Or do you want to be the shepherd or the king? So let me pray for you this morning. Father, thank you for speaking to every single one of us and reminding us of who you are, your kindness and your compassion and your grace. Thank you for the way that you consistently show up in our lives and our stories in fun and creative ways. And thank you that you've been speaking to every single person here this morning. God, I believe that you're inviting them to choose to trust you as their shepherd. And so I pray that you would help them to choose to be a sheep, to trust you, to depend on you, to rely on you for everything they need, and including rest and healing and comfort and peace, to lead them, to guide them, to help them take their next right step towards you and with you. So continue just to speak to us, God, as we listen to you. And give us the humility and the courage to follow. <laughs> 